Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into disobedience in today's review episode. I can show you the world. Just take a look through my eyes. Disobedience is a new movie that has just entered theaters near me, although it technically qualifies as a 2017 movie, as far as my spreadsheet is concerned. Uh, Its official release date in the United States is April 27th, but it premiered at TIFF last year, September, so it's a 2017 film for all purposes. And today i thought i'd talk about it got to see it at the theater so you know it's relatively fresh in my mind and it was good i liked it and it should be something interesting to discuss uh if you haven't heard of the movie uh look it up check it out uh this brief summary i'll give is um it's about rachel weiss and rachel mcadams who were childhood friends Uh, At the beginning of the movie, Rachel Weisz is informed of of the death of her father. Uh, So she is currently working in the States, I think in New York, as a photographer. And uh, upon learning about her father's death, she returns back home to her Orthodox Jewish uh, home where she was raised and uh, where she reunites with her two best friends from childhood, played by Rachel McAdams and Alessandro Nivola, and uh, things kind of escalate from there. Uh, And now, because she is pretty much the only person in this sect of of Orthodox Jews who has left, um, at least as far as we're aware, no one else in the movie is someone who has returned home to honor the passing of her father. Everyone else has been there the whole time, is remained Orthodox Jewish, and... That obviously creates some tensions. Uh, You know, this isn't the first movie to deal with ostracism. And it's certainly not going to be the last. And it's one that, in my opinion, approaches it from a position that isn't always the most uh, familiar. You know, it's tough to try... The movie has to try to walk this line where... You definitely have to feel um, the the frustration and uh, disappointment that R- Rachel Weisz's character feels because of this sort of cold reception she receives. But you also have to be put in a position where you have to believe that, yeah, that's exactly how it would be. You know, it makes sense. But... Given the fact that she mo- mostly grew up with so many of these people, particularly Rachel McAdams and Alessandra Nivola's characters, uh, they have to come off surprisingly accepting. Um, you know, when she first enters, uh, arrives at the house, and everyone is in mourning, and it's a, um, they're having the, uh, not funeral, the 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 the, forget, I I, I don't know what I, I don't know. They're they're. They're all mourning her father's death, and Nivola's character uh, shows up at the door, and he was uh, Vice's father's understudy, essentially, as a rabbi, 
and he is lukewarm at best to her arrival. He wasn't expecting it. He wasn't aware she was coming. And at first she says he kind of indicates to her that she probably shouldn't even stay there, which is kind of ridiculous, but it's, you know, you, you start off on the right foot. He's, he's very cold, and you get the sense that he doesn't even want her there. But he does eventually acquiesce to her staying at his house while he is, or while she is in town, uh, in the country, even. And as she enters the house, uh, everyone stops and stares at her. You know, conversations die out. And judging eyes are turned toward Rachel Weiss. And given how little we really know about her at this point, um, the only thing we really have to go on that she's done is leave. Uh, we're not aware of anything else she might have done. Uh, you know, her 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 history um, is is very murky at this point. You know, and if you unless you've seen the trailers or anything like that, then uh, you really don't know if there's more to it than just leaving. And that can certainly be enough, but it does feel like there's a little bit more um, going on there. And uh, there are a couple of people who are less than, more than, are, are somewhat friendly uh, to her, uh, people who are much closer with her father and who probably remember her from being a child are a little more accepting and willing to engage her in conversation. And finally, uh, she escapes into the kitchen where she talks with Alessandro Nivola and the two of them, you know, kind of reminisce a little bit until Rachel McAdams enters in her first entrance into the movie. And the three of them reunited. Uh, They were good friends as kids. And at this point, Vice has learned that Nivola's married and she uh, she's trying to figure out who he's married to, and all of a sudden realizes she's he's married to Rachel McAdams. So, which and I I think you know you get that kind of shock of man like as soon as she left they just you know you get this kind of question of like well is she holding them back from a relationship was. Um, you know, like, if it's a, there's, there were three, now there are two, and Alessandro Navolo kind of just explains, like, look, when there were three of us, we were always together, and when there were two of us, we only had each other, and uh, it just happened, kind of a situation, and I don't know, that made sense to me, I thought that was fairly straightforward, and I, I understood it, but as soon as Rachel McAdams enters the movie, uh, the whole dynamic changes, and you immediately feel this sense that the two Rachels, Vice and McAdams, are so are connected on a, on a level completely oblivious to everybody else. And as the movie progresses, you find out that that's the case. Uh, they, uh, you know, you're not sure how how much happened when they were younger, but definitely things did happen. And now those feelings are returning. We are, you know, this, this, 
I don't, I don't know if they, I would say it's it's an old relationship that they used to have, but this old connection that they used to have has resurfaced and is is rearing its head once again, which is a huge problem because Rachel McAdams is married to a rabbi who is supposed to take Rachel Weiss's father's place as a more important rabbi, and uh, you know, you can't, it's, it's, you're, they're Orthodox Jews, you, you can't, les, being a lesbian is not really, um, doesn't really fit with that whole lifestyle, so the film progresses from there, and, uh, it gets a little bit more tense, and, uh, a little bit more problematic for, for most of the characters involved in anything, uh, you know, Rachel Weisz tries to, once you know his also it comes there to kind of get to take care of her father's estate and deal with that but she ultimately learns that this the estate wasn't even left to her she doesn't even have control over it um somebody reads an article in the paper that indicates that says that uh her father died leaving no living relative leaving uh, with with no children and of course she's alive so um, people just kind of forgot about her or, or don't want her to be there. And that's a shame. Uh, you know, it's really frustrating that she was that she's kind of just completely, um, cast out and removed and ejected from these people's lives. And it's been... I don't know. They they don't go into a precise detail, but it's probably been like I, I think they try to say that she left when she was like in her teens, like eighteen, nineteen. So if that's the case, um then uh Rachel McAdams would have been and it would have been like twenty years had passed if it was when Rachel McAdams was eighteen. If it was when Rachel Weiss was 18, it would have been 30 years have passed. Holy crap. I don't know how old the characters are supposed to be, uh, but Rachel Weiss is 48, and Rachel McAdams is 40. So, uh, but they're supposed to be the same age, so. I, I would say 40 is probably closer to what they were going for. So it's probably been about 20 years since any of them have seen each other. And this relationship that kind of is rekindled in the process is really beautiful. But uh, you, you know that it can't last in its current form, not without some big changes happening. And the film progresses in a way that I think, for the most part, makes sense. Uh, I have some problems. I think the film really is a bit over the top with the sort of alienation of Rachel Weisz's character. Uh, I think it really tries to beat you over the head with that ceiling, uh, moment, that, that feeling, especially at this one dinner scene uh, where I felt this a lot of the conversation was um, a little blunt, for lack of a better word. But the dynamic between McAdams and Weiss was great. Uh, their, their passion and... And you can really feel what they feel. I think they do a fantastic job of that. Uh, similarly, um, Alessandra Nivola, who is 
most of the film played as this antagonist, someone who is working against our our main character's uh, best interests, for you know, essentially, is I, I really liked how by the end of the film he was given his own story. And we spend enough time with him on his own, we spend enough time with him just with McAdams or just with Vice to get a feeling that, like, you know, he's not just pissed, he's not just upset that either of these women uh, is attracted to other women, or he's not just upset that Vice is leaving, had left the the community, he's not, you know, it's not just about that, you know, he has his own uh, goals that he's striving for, you know, he's trying to fill the shoes of his teacher uh, as a rabbi. He has his own aspirations, and this is these things that are happening are problematic for that future of his, and so he acts accordingly. And by the end of the film, I was really pleased that they didn't just kind of write his character off as being a hindrance. He was given agency and uh, uh, credibility and um, I wouldn't say redemption but but uh, just a full arc and I appreciated that you know naturally McAdams and Weiss spend get most of the screen time get most of the uh, focus of the film and I think a lesser film would have kind of cast Nivola's character to the side I do think that of the three of them uh, he is the weakest link performance wise uh, Rachel Weiss is just amazing. Rachel McAdams is also amazing. I don't know if I could really pick one over the other, but they're both pretty fantastic. And then anyone outside of those three, uh, we really don't get much much of. And it's it's really not um, it's it's not doesn't matter. <laughs> um, everybody else outside of those three characters is background, background noise. They're just kind of there to either, and which is, I don't think, a good thing. I think this is an issue. I think everyone outside of them is either only functions to to push them apart or push them together or to establish that Rachel Weiss doesn't belong in this community or to establish that maybe Rachel McAdams doesn't belong in this community or to re- try to, like, be a soundboard for Vice to kind of spout out about feminism. And I, I, I don't mean that flippantly, but, like, I think the film, you know, portrays that whole side of things flippantly. So, I don't know. I, I think there's some tone issues at work here. It is a little long, but it's also sweet. And, and it also approaches the subject with enough care, um, if not, I mean, maybe not delicacy, but definitely care. And there's one element of the film, and I don't think this, I don't think this will enter into spoilers, uh, but if, if it does, I'll, I'll edit it. But there's one element, so when you're on the outside looking in, and you see someone who you think belongs on the outside, um, even if, you know, you actually feel like everyone belongs on the outside, but if you see some one person who uh, you know needs to be on the outside, who is who is not capable of functioning uh, under the uh, you know cult-like thoughts or or 
not cult-like, but but just you know, you you get the sense like White Rachel Vice feels like Rachel McAdams doesn't belong there and and needs to get out, right? It's very easy when you're someone on the inside to run away when you have someone to run to. And, you know, if if there was a scene in a movie where, you know, the person on the outside's like, look, you just need to leave, come with me, and we will be fine. Uh, that's a, rel- in my opinion, that's a relatively easy jump to take because you're not, you know you're landing on your feet one way or another. You have a support system, you have someone that will hold, pick you up and, and hold you and be with you. The problem is that the person that's on the outside asking you to jump to them didn't have that person. You know, Rachel Weiss, as far as we're aware, we're never given the implication that when she left this community, there was anyone she was jumping in. Jump, there were no one, no one's arm she was jumping into. There was no support system for her. She just left. She went to America and figured it out on her own. And that's very difficult by comparison. Uh, that is a, a very interesting difference that I don't quite think the movie reaches but I think that the kernels of it were there. At least, I mean, I caught it, so I guess it could have been a more a more interesting theme and issue to deal with. And for that reason, you know, when you're handling trying, I guess, like trying to convert somebody or, or unconvert somebody, you have to... You don't want them... You know, if you're going to move to a new state, you know, let's say you live on the East Coast and you are, you're going to just pack it all up, move to the West Coast. No, you know, no fourth, you know, you've thought about it for a while. You never really had the guts to do it. You're doing it. That's a big step. Like, that's a huge change in your life to make. And it's, it's you know, if there's nothing out there for you already, then you're going out there kind of blind. But if you're moving to the West Coast and you have somebody out there who is going to let you live with them, have somebody out there who asks you to come, have somebody out there who can support you financially, uh, then, I mean, how much of a risk is it really that you're taking? It still takes, you know, you still have to get over that hump of, okay, I'm going to move, but, you know... It's like you have to get up, you have to climb the roller coaster, but with somebody out there, the drop is like considerably smaller. And this film does a decent job, not a great job, but a decent job of showing that if you're going to take that leap, it should be without the parachute, in my opinion. You you shouldn't need the parachute to make the jump. And I realized that, that having that parachute is, is helpful, and for a lot of people, uh, necessary. And but I think that that you, if you truly want to take that leap in any way, shape, or form, you have to be able to do it without the parachute if you're going to do it at all. Is my my feeling. And I think that this movie, while again not precisely hitting on that exact theme, uh, it does 
it does glance by, in a sense. It, it passes in a brief moment, and um, I, I think... I wish that the movie had had really... Mm, it really steered into that idea. But what we do get, the film we do get, is a good one. And the performances we get are good ones. And it, it's a... It's a good watch. It is a good, solid watch. And I wish, I kind of wish it was a 2018 film. Uh, I don't think many, if any, of the uh, potential, you know, awards stuff for me would ever, would at all last to the end of the year. Um, I only rated this movie disobedient. A 66 so you know I put it on par with um, I don't feel at home in this world anymore from last year brawl and cell block 99 it, it falls in that same category for me uh, which is good just not great and I think that it kind of probably would have fallen off the bottom of, of the list at the end of the year but it would have been on they would have been on there uh, for the moment um so yeah, uh, I'm not going to get into spoilers uh, for this, but I will say, let me see, looking at my chart here. So you guys are you guys are getting this review Monday, I believe. Monday the 4th of of June. Wow. Uh that's like 2 weeks from when I'm recording it. And so I I'm I'll be back in the States Tuesday, and I don't know if I'll be home Tuesday or Wednesday. So you have one more episode that should be pre-recorded, hopefully, and that is uh, going to be released before I'm officially able to record again. And uh, hopefully... Um, hopefully I can figure out what that's going to be about. I have one day left to work that out. So that being said, uh, this is one, I don't know. I, I, again, I recommend disobedience. I think it's worth a watch, but I'm not, I, I think it misses a couple of key things. It could, a couple of key differences and opportunities it could have made otherwise. Uh, that being said, uh, thank you for listening to today's episode. Uh, it means a lot. Uh, and I'm looking forward to being able to be back and not feel like I have to stretch out, you know, not having to, like, record eight episodes in the span of a week, because that's that's a lot. That's a hefty toll. I, I'm not quite at that, not able to do that yet. So this, was, this has been uh, tough, and uh, I have two more episodes to record. I'm going to get on that. Thank you for listening, and if you would like to support the show, you can do that on patreon.com slash circleoffilm for as little as eight cents a episode. An episode. That's how that's the ratio. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can email me, circleoffilm at gmail.com or Twitter at circleoffilm. Uh, I'll still be gone at this point if you're listening to this before Wednesday, uh, but I will always be able to check my email while I am in Brazil. If you would like to uh, check out other episodes or check out Circle of Film Awards, check out statistics, check out a lot of different stuff, 
You can find most of that at circleoffilm.com um, and much, much more. And um, that's it. So, as always, have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same night. I know she'll never leave me Even as she fades from